I'm just uh, mindful of you know the the news and uh, and and bad news and uh, I guess this song starts off uh, uh, in a way that's crying out uh, in the in our predicament and our in our struggles. Uh, Lord, we, we want new wine. Just uh, I'm just I'll just read a couple of things that have that have sort of come on my my desk this week in a Christian tradition faces erosion in Australia Australia from an array of forces, the failure of churches and clerics, the march of secularism and the rise of an alternative progressive morality, so-called progressive. Uh, The new morality arises from neither dogma or revelation, such as the church, such as through Christ. Its focus is diversity, human rights, self-expression and identity politics. It's a set of values and a way of relating to others. Its essence is the discarding of the worth of tradition and enshrining in law rules and procedures for contemporary cultural norms. It is best seen as the comprehensive politicization of our culture. And uh, it's, it's like a new law, right? The way I've seen it for a while is like there's a legalism coming on our society and I guess when a society moves away from spirit, God's spirit, we come under law, don't we? And so it's an unfortunate consequence of a society that is walking away from the source of morality, the source of life, the source of wisdom, the source of ethics, uh, God himself and, of course, Christ himself. Um, Michael Jensen, uh, a key Anglican personality uh, in, in the light of this week. It says, I don't think there's any doubt that Christianity itself has a future because true Christianity is not its institutions. The true church is not composed of bishops, hierarchies and committees. Jesus Christ didn't come to set up a church in that sense. In fact, Jesus saved his strongest words for those who were obsessed with the trappings of religious power and who exploited the vulnerable in them. I mean, that was, that's what... Uh, Jesus confronted himself, didn't he? Religious hypocrites will find no solace in the pages of the Bible. Hell is made for such. Strong language. But the true church is the organic local community. I love this. Gathered around Jesus and trying to live out of his mercy. It's composed of hundreds of thousands of ordinary people. Might meet in a cathedral and belong to a denomination. Might also meet in a living room and belong to a no denomination at all. It says institutional Christianity, the organised part of organised religion, will only survive if it realises that it isn't itself the true church, but the servant of the true church. That's what the staff of Cornerstone is about. We're here to serve to you, to empower you, to champion you. It doesn't exist for its own sake, but for the sake of the local community. And through that, for the nation and our history, it has done much good. But we need to recover, rediscover our call to service. And I'm sure that, that was in, that's been in God's mind. It's been in uh, Graham and, and Josh's mind as we look at the topic this morning of, of mission in relation to exile. And uh, encourage you, if you haven't yet um, uh, got into the series, if you're new with us, to, to look at the podcast so far because the, we're building, we're on a journey and, and I'm just getting more excited every week. And uh, 
So, um, we're going to start off um, looking, uh, looking at this theme of mission, but from the, from the perspective of Daniel himself, because we're, we're actually looking through the windows of, of, of Daniel, particularly Daniel 1 to 6, and, uh, and his friends, uh, uh, his three friends who they uh, are in this predicament of being put in the court of uh, the biggest empire of the day and uh, as, as those who are being prepared uh, to, to be rulers, actually, sent back very likely to Israel as rulers in the time to come. Uh, and that was the way that uh, kings would, would, these empire builders would do it. They were very strategic and they wanted to uh, enculturate and, and find uh, a relationship in which they could engage this quite different society. Anyway, uh, with that, God has his plans. And uh, we've, we're talking in terms of, in some ways, this word subversive. And I believe this word subversive, which in a military sense is a, is, is a word of, of cleverness and of cunning. But in the sense that um, we are in, in society today, God places those who follow Jesus in a society that, that can be quite hostile to him. Um, we have a simplicity, a purity. And so it's not as though we're strategizing and doing what happened in the United States with the religious right. You know, and we're actually scheming and, and manipulating the political system. We are totally unlike, and I believe they got it completely wrong. Uh, we are called to be the kind of people that, by virtue of, of the love of Christ, um, attract the attention of, uh, of, of a society that is missing out on that. Okay, uh, so just to sort of, we, we start with disappointment, exile. Uh, but to see it as God's appointment. I, I love the, the fact in the gospel there's always good news, doesn't matter, no matter what happens. And as a pastor, when I, walk, when I walk into situations where it's in hospital and someone's dying, no matter the critical situation, I'm always encouraged by the, the fact that there is always hope in every situation. That's the nature of who God is. And, and so as God's people, we are called to be a people who are ready to offer hope. So we are appointed in that sense to purpose in what seems to be a disappointment, what seems to be set back in life. And so we can, that's something we can apply in our personal lives. Uh, some of those situations, you think, where is God? You know, but God has appointed us. God is, is with us and he has purpose. And we always, by faith, must enter in and choose to enter that purpose. So Daniel was unfazed by the crazed king and the society. I mean, this guy is a megalomaniac. He's telling all the, the people of wisdom uh, that unless they tell him what he dreamed last night and what it means, that they're all going to be cut to pieces and butchered, you know, and everything's going to be wasted. However, if they tell him what it is, what his dream was and, which, and, and what it means, then they're going to be receive favor. Well, that's an incentive, isn't it? Uh, and so, of course, you've, you've, got a, uh, you've got a crazy guy. He's in crisis. He's had this dream. And whatever that dream was, it must have been so vivid, so amazing, so powerful, that it, it, it knocked his socks off. You know, he was in a state of distress. Uh, 
And to take action like that, um, he was, he'd lost it. He'd lost the plot and look out. You know, so uh, Daniel was unfazed by this. And, and I think that's a good message to us, that when we're in situations, when we're, whether it's a national situation or any sort of catastrophe, major or minor, that we are called to be unfazed because we come from a position, a vantage point of strength. You know, and that's what Paul was telling the people in Ephesus where, near where uh, Wayne and Caro and, uh, and our um, Joy and uh, Ruth and others are at the moment. That, F- that city of Ephesus was, was a place of idolatry, it was a place of trouble, and yet um, uh, the message that Paul brings to that church is understand where you are, understand who you are, as we've been singing this morning. And if you understand who you are, who Christ is, what he's done and where he's placed you, then you can begin to address all of these things from a place of confidence. Isn't that great? Yeah. So Daniel responds with prudence and discretion. And I must admit there is a propensity within my human nature not to do that. Um, (laughs) I was once chaplain of Kelvin Grove High. And because I was so evangelistic, and I had so many people in there, and uh, that the principal said, you're too evangelistic. And I got the left foot of fellowship. (laughs) 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 So I didn't exercise, and I had to learn a lot. I was redeemed, and I became the chairperson of the Kedron High School (laughs) chaplaincy. And I was there for about, I don't know, 15 years. It was a long time. 10 years, okay. I was exaggerating. Ten years. That's still quite a long time. And, and I'm still involved in school, so I didn't give up, praise God. <laughs> so, but you do learn things on the way. And I think as a church, we've had to learn things on the way, haven't we? Because we've tended to be triumphal. We've tended to be, let's take it, you know, let's go in there with all guns blazing. We've got the answers and, and found we've got our left foot shot off, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, learning wisdom in this. Uh, we, can, we can say things that get us into trouble when actually God could have used us and we would have saved a lot of other people a lot of trouble had we used wisdom and discretion. And, and I think that's been the journey of this church. Uh, it's a good journey, learning to be smart. Um, Daniel's courage. So was his relationship with God. I think it's the most important thing here, you know, his courage comes from his relationship. He was a man of prayer and he knew God and he was able to exhibit that openly. He didn't hold back on it. Whatever happened, whatever idolatrous situation came when he was forced to compromise, he wouldn't let go of his relationship with Almighty God. And that gave him a position of strength. And his God view was a glo- uh, Daniel's God view was a global eschaton. In other words, as I mentioned before, uh, about Paul and the, and the people of Ephesus, he was trying to t- show the Christians that they were in a place of advantage. And when I'm talking about a, a go- global eschaton, this world will come to an end. Es- eschatology is to do with the end, okay? Uh, the end of this age. Uh, but in that, it's also to do with God being revealed in this age. And so Daniel, in the book of Daniel, you'll see this all through it. And so for us, as those who've come to Christ and know Christ, 
he's a great champion. He's a great inspirer. You know, he's a great leader for us to draw from. And because he has this big picture. And people who have God's big picture are not easily moved. They're not easily phased. They're not easily discouraged because they are they're founded. Their life, their view of life is not down here, not a little space, but it's a big picture one. They've got the eagle. They've got that eagle mentality. They know how to big, think big. I remember when I first became a Christian, I, would, um, I just love going out. I bought a, a racing bike so I could get out of the city, go up on the mountains and just seek God because I love nothing else um, than, than just being with God. And going up on the, on, the, on the mountains behind our city, I would look over things and I, n- I noted that every time I went up on that city and looked over those little houses and all the issues that were involved in the city, they suddenly became small. You know, there's some, suddenly uh, they, they took on a whole new perspective and, and I could, as I was praying for that city, I could pray for it, for its well-being, for its welfare, for, it, for the purpose for that city, for God's purpose for that city. And I was able to love that city in a way that I would not have without being close to God. Yeah, so... Okay, so not only um, a mission from position, but we're uh, on mission by appointment. Uh, Daniel, last to be notified, but first to respond. It's interesting in the situation that, uh, that all, the, all the guys who were involved in uh, wisdom and magicianship and, and the arts, as it were, of that day, who were the king's best friend, as it were, uh, uh, they, uh, they were notified, but not Daniel. He was just in the aftermath of, of what was happening there. And he probably found out, as, as we read, um, as someone knocks on his door, the, the captain of the, uh, uh, the king's army is coming to actually uh, cart them off and execute them. So Daniel and his friends are in this predicament. And so um, he's... He's the first to respond. He's the one who actually has a response to help. And so to recognize that when things, uh, when things around you or you face, they might be in other people's lives, there's a crisis, there's a situation. Well, this is good, good training, isn't it, for crisis? <laughs> um, we are firstly ready to, to, to respond. Often people are not ready. People are freaked out, people are distressed, uh, and people don't know what to do. But we are called to be the kind of people who do know what to do. Um, Steve uh, Bell is a guy who, who's trained. He knows what to do when it comes to issues in the street. He he's a, sort of knows how to do basic paramedic uh, uh, a sort of uh, a, a treatment. He, he knows how to help people whether they're emotionally distressed, because he's a street chaplain. He's been trained in that, and so he's, he's, he's moved into a place of readiness. He's equipped himself, he's prepared himself in God, otherwise to be a person who is ready to respond. And I think their unit is called a first response unit, an amazing ministry that takes place um, uh, during, this, during the week in, the, in strategic places where there are young people that are in trouble every week. Um, Christians out there making a difference. The thing about Daniel is he takes action when implicated. So he not only is the first to respond, but he, he, 
when he's implicated in the thing, he actually moves to do something. And I think as, as God's people in our city, we are implicated in a lot of things. There is reason we have an appointment in the city. We are implicated in its well-being and its welfare. And therefore, we have opportunities to take action, to do something about it. We're not people that are, that are at sea or in that sense of exile of hopelessness, but we're actually mobilized by Christ himself, by the Holy Spirit, to take action. And so he stands to save his fellow profession. He, he stands up, and when he addresses um, the, the captain of the, of the guard, uh, as he comes before the king, he's mindful, firstly, and the way he approaches them is he does so on behalf of the society he's a part of, whether they are believers or not believers. He comes because he realizes not only he is implicated in his society, but others are too. And so there's a a response of compassion that he comes through. He moves through love. And I think that's something to understand how come Jesus did miracles? How come he worked wonders? How come he moved in a way that we long to see and, and, and we long to move into? But the, the, the way that he moved, he moved, it says, through compassion. And when we hear the call of the love of God, when we hear his call for other people, it gives us an appointment to move and act. And, and that can happen at any time. It can happen all the time. But it's listening to that appointment uh, that God uh, brings through love. It's an intercessory appointment, uh, in this case, to deliver Babylon from crisis and unlock God's message to them. So it was a, 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 a call to actually stand on behalf of a nation and also God's nation. Uh, God's people to deliver them to help them in their crisis and to unlock God's message to them in beneath uh, beneath all this is God's desire and God's urgency to actually reveal to this king who realizes things are are in are in deep strife and his own kingdom and his own reality is is only a temporal reality that there is a kingdom to come that will surpass all these and there is a way forward. And, uh, and so, whoops, I'm, I'm zipping this thing through. Yeah, so um, that message, the gospel, the kingdom, is the message that we are also given. The message of the kingdom of God to unlock it to people and tell me when people are most open, off, uh, open to that message of, of the kingdom of God, of the love of God, of the grace of God through Christ, is when they are in crisis. Yeah. Oh, I just love, I often catch up with uh, Ellen and, and, and talk about the things of God. We, have, we just have a great time. But one of the things that Ellen is aware of, and I hope you don't mind me saying, of his own crisis, his own crises in life. And though it was a desperate, you know, he's been in desperate, desperate situations, but he called out to God, and it never ceases to amaze him or anyone uh, how gracious and powerful God is. I mean, he was, he was in an accident and should have been dead, but God actually 
got him out of that situation and he's alive with a story to tell about God's love and grace and he won't let it go. (laughs) So Daniel prayed. Praise the name of God forever and ever. Let's read it together, eh? I don't want to rob you of this joy. The thing about Daniel is he has some amazing prayers. And what it does is inspire us that we too are called to be a people of prayer. We're called to go in deep and be people of such prayer that when crisis faces us, we move straight to God and we move straight in to his revelation. And so that we pray, we come to him with an answer. Remember my sister, you know, just seeing her to go from New Zealand, fly off as a 16 or 17-year-old across to Australia. And I just remember interceding for her in her bedroom that she'd left behind. And, uh, you know, she had a, a bit of a story, went to Mullumbimby where all the hippies are and did magic mushrooms and everything else. Uh, but I, I prayed for her. But I remember distinctly praying for her. And, uh, and as I was praying, uh, God suddenly swept over me uh, with a sense that it was, she was going to be all right and she was going to be saved. And from that time, I didn't intercede or pray anymore because I knew God was about to do something. It's almost like he was saying, yes, I have done it. And, uh, and sure enough, it wasn't long before her and a whole lot of other bunch of people were part of a huge move of, of hippies uh, who came uh, to Jesus. And uh, it was just an amazing community there in Malamimbi. Whoa. When Daniel went to pray, he got an answer. God showed, and God wants to give us answers when we pray, as we pray. Sometimes we've got to press in there. But we are a people We're called to have answers. And so let's just read this together. He says, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of the world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us the king demanded. Amen. What a great prayer. The next thing is mission is community. Daniel responds in team. He's no lone gun. In fact, he goes straight to his mates. He's got this uh, great bunch of people that he does life with at a really deep level with God. And so um, his capacity is tied to his companioning. And I encourage you, in this society which loneliness is, is such a, a scourge and is regarded now as, as the great one of the great sources of destruction in our society today, to be people who companion. And if, and if we're alone, perhaps to seek out someone who needs companioning, who you might think needs companion, you might ask them and they might say, no thanks, but, uh, but give it a try. Overcome that and just, and that's good if they don't need it. 
there'll be someone else. But God wants us to companion deeply. That is great strength. Often with husbands and wives, it's, it can be great. But God gives us friends. Uh, God gives us companies of people, people that we can pray with, we can do life together and overcome through. And that's essential. That's God's will. It's his purpose. We're not islands. We're not alone. And we will not do this alone. That's why we're here together today. Daniel gets God's purpose. He gets it. To reveal God's kingdom to people, the people of Babylon. So he realizes the reason he's here is not for himself or his mates, but the purpose that he's there for is for those all around him. In a nation that was totally, uh, in so many ways, different and opposed to what he understood was was right and good. And so it's important. I remember the saying, you, 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 um, you may have heard it, that the church is the only organization that exists for the purpose of its non-members. You know, it's, a, it's an organization. We, God has put us here not for ourselves, to be a happy club or even to be a remnant that is just holding things together until he comes. Um, we are called to be uh, a people of great purpose for reaching the community, the world about us, the people in our office, the people in our neighborhood, uh, the people uh, in, our, in our street and, and our community. Eventually, Daniel was privileged to exemplify a new way of being in community. Now, we're just moving on a bit here, but in, in the later verses of that chapter 2, we see that there's good news he does get the vision and he does uh, uh, get success. And the result of that is he's actually lifted up with, with his friends and they become uh, key leaders. They, they are put into a place where they can model, where they can um, offer a new way of life, this new way of Yahweh's life to the community they're in because the king himself comes to realize that God the God of these, uh, these, this little bunch of, of young men is in fact the true God. And so as we prove God's reality, as we see his reality in situations, we win the right to actually become mentors or leaders of others into the community of, of faith. So we're called into community and we're called to win the community into God's community. Okay, the message of God's kingdom. I'm, I'm moving through a lot of stuff uh, this morning. Um, so the message of God's kingdom uh, is exile where the kingdom comes. Okay, exile is where the kingdom comes. It's, it's amazing uh, that it's... And I'm just you know, reading a, a statement uh, where... Uh, it was by one of the great uh, theologians who is looking at uh, the exile and the, and the kingdom of God. And his, his, his conclusion is that it was in exile that actually Israel rose to be her greatest. She realized God in, in a way that she didn't otherwise. And... Uh, and so the kingdom of God comes, and the kingdom of God that Jesus teaches is, comes from a place. And of course, Jesus 
was living under the Roman rule. But he came to bring a new rule. And his talk with Pilate, you know, others, you know, about truth and about the kingdom, um, he was... He was, he was there on the spot to bring in a new way. He was talking to the leader, the representation of the, of the Roman rule. And he wasn't at all phased by that because he had come to bring, to speak into a new kingdom. Otherwise, uh, why wouldn't my followers seek to apprehend and save me and, and fight? Uh, but, but Jesus came to bring a kingdom that could not be threatened by violence. God's kingdom will surpass all others. This is the message of Daniel, is that his kingdom will surpass, it will exceed, and the nature of the kingdom that we're called into is not a temporal kingdom. It's not of this world. That doesn't mean it's not in this world. And it's not active and working in this world. It's not pie in the sky, by by, as I often say. It is cake on your plate and steak on your plate while you wait. You know, it is is a life that we enter into and live. And this is the mystery of the kingdom. Uh, This is the the, mystery, as as Sharon was talking about earlier, the mystery of the cross. You know, the mystery of the cross takes us by surprise. It comes in weakness it comes in ways that we don't recognize. That certainly the Jews didn't recognize. Certainly Pilate didn't recognize. And yet that kingdom is the great kingdom, is the great answer to everyone who's searching in this life for reality and truth. We're the searching just like the king. Everyone in their heart of hearts is searching for the truth. Or they've decided that the truth is there and they want to go in the other direction. But the truth is always there waiting for us. And the truth is that there is a kingdom. There is a king that will come, Jesus Christ. And we will all stand before him. And he will stand as judge. And, And he will judge all that we have done. But that through Jesus Christ, who died on a cruel cross and rose again, there is hope for every man, woman, and child that we can escape that judgment, as it were, the judgment on the human race, and that we can come into a place of peace with God. And not only peace, that shalom of God is full of the blessings and benefits of God that he wants us to have and to share with everyone else. And this is the kind of kingdom, this is the amazing kingdom that we read about and that we see throughout Scripture and certainly throughout Daniel. Daniel sees its reality in our day. Daniel's prophesied. Daniel was able to see what we would enter into because the nation, the, uh, the, the nation of the kingdom and the notion of the kingdom is a reality that is pressing in. In fact, Jesus said from the time of John the Baptist until now, it says, heaven suffers violence and the violent enter, are those who are assertive will enter it by force. The nature of the kingdom is that when John arrived, uh, when John came on the scene, there was one sphere of the earth's history, one dimension of the earth's history was finished. But from that time, a new dimension started, which Jesus brought. It's the kingdom of God. 
and which John ushered in. And that's the dimension, that's the domain that we are in. And so when we talk about the the disciples tarrying and waiting for this, as Jesus has said, the promised Spirit came upon them. And the promised Holy Spirit ushers in, ushers in that coming kingdom and makes the reality of the coming age, of the coming world that that will be in its fullness uh, when Christ returns, he ushers that into our world now. And so that we are not actually living disempowered exiles, but we are those empowered by the power and the grace of God to live what's called an eschatological life, but a spirit-filled life, a God life full of his love. Because the spirit of the Lord is love. God's nature is love in the best possible sense. And uh, so Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit for kingdom mission. If you want to read the book of Luke, it tells you all about that. If you go on into Luke's writing, into Acts, the church subsequently is anointed for kingdom mission. We are agents. We We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We're called to minister. We're called to help the world around us, not by uh, political strategies or human inventions or by force, but through love, through the love of Christ that demonstrates it in every possible multiple way, through every possible gift of the Holy Spirit. God has multiple ways of expressing himself through us. So we are being carried in this journey of exile into an empowerment to mission, not just to exist and stop, but empowered to be effective, to initiate things, to start things, to be world changers. And the coming kingdom is breaking into our present reality as we press into it by faith. So you may, it may look hopeless, but in that moment that looks hopeless, God calls us to step by faith into his answer. He calls us to be people who will step by faith into a God future, a kingdom future, a kingdom provision. He calls us to step into a spirit-filled, God-present reality, into the zone of God and to bring God's zone. It's not just New Zealand that's called God's zone. We are called... There's a far greater zone than New Zealand. You know, that, that's one day is going to go underwater. But, but the kingdom of God lasts forever and ever. We have the great kingdom. And we, our job is to bring people into God's zone. And we press into it by faith. It's just a choice we make. And so we make gardens in the city. God's rule, a new order where divine love is normative. Now, what Jesus talked about... You read in in Matthew 6 and 7, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, all this. Jesus is prescribing the way we are to live. He's he's prescribing a way. Some people, in fact, a lot of theologians, have thought it's for the coming age. Because they think, I can't live this life. I can't love my enemies. You know, I can't can't live in such purity. Uh, But no. But no, you you won't without the Spirit of the Lord. You won't without the power of God's Spirit because God's kingdom comes as we receive, we are empowered by His Spirit. Amen? 
It's good stuff. So it's demonstrated through services of mercy, justice, generosity, reflecting God's rule. Notice the way Jesus reflects God's rule. Notice the way he approaches those in his life. We're called to do the same thing. We and affirming, incorporating, we're loving everyone. The disabled uh, people who, uh, who are alone, we incorporate everyone. We're called to be a healing, peacemaking, generous, spirit-empowered community garden. I just want to, in finishing, I just want to uh, talk about a few people I know. Um, Paul and, and uh, Gabriel Quilliam. Gabriel uh, was in Sudan as a nurse. In fact, I remember her telling me about one of her trainings was they had to actually jump out of a plane uh, while it was running, while it was landing, or running. That was part of their, and they learned how to roll because in Sudan, uh, with the war happening there, they were in and out. She was delivering babies. She was training mothers, helping them, and uh, she was trained by a paramilitary <laughs> to, to do these things. So she's quite a, a whips... I've done it again. So she um, um, is quite a girl. She was working at Northside uh, Christian College for a while and, uh, and married Paul Quilliam. But she, uh, she had a real desire to work with foster kids and to out, somehow work her calling um, at the time. And they had, at the time, they had, didn't have any of their own children. So they, they had a foster a child, I think a little girl, now, this little child had some very acute problems in her life. And so what this, the story of her being, uh, being a foster carer, and everyone asked her, is this your child? Are you a mother? And, and time and time again, she was faced with this, and she would, have to, she would say, no, I'm not her mother. You know? and, uh, uh, but God was working in her life and, and showing her through this time, and eventually I think she was, she was handed into another, um, handed on. But she, during this time, God spoke to her because of the illness about the need in Brisbane, in Australia, for houses, uh, safe houses, places, oases, where people who had children who were, who were dying, little kids, babies, uh, children who were dying, where they could find a safe place, where they wouldn't have to go through this huge organisational process when they came to Brisbane from the country or wherever, and so that there was a place for them. And so they have, they have begun this thing called Hummingbird House. And she, if you want to see her TED talk, uh, it's a really good one, uh, telling her story. Um, uh, an amazing story of providing, and there's only... Uh, what they've done is only three in Australia and it's, there's a great need globally for this sort of respite. These two have taken it. He's, uh, I think, an administrator of some kind. And, and, uh, but that, they have taken a bo- on board this project and what they realise is there's something is so good they want to roll it out around the world. And it comes from their passion of seeing a need, of getting involved as a foster carer and now they, are, they have a ministry that's quite unique and so inspiring. Whoops. This couple here, uh, Neil, a friend of mine, um, and, his, and his wife Penny, um, who unfortunately was, was taken out on a pedestrian crossing with her dog by a young lady uh, who didn't look at the lights, obviously. But 
a beautiful couple. He's, he's still, you know, travelling pretty hard. But um, uh, Neil uh, and, and Penny started this thing called Place to Belong. It was a place where people could come and uh, who had mental disabilities, who were disenfranchised. And it's a place where people who are alone are connected with other people that can help them forward. And uh, it's, it's quite an inspiring community in West End, um, and they've, they've, they've come under Anglicare to do what they do. Uh, but uh, it's, it's just one of these, these two are just champions, have been, you know, champions of, of help to transform community around them. And, and uh, Neil runs, he's, he's led this um, mental health pastoral care conference, which happens in Brisbane uh, every year. And it is, it's just amazing the way God is using that just from two people who were in, who were student work for Jesus uh, and, uh, and they came, they got married and they began to serve God together. And began to make a difference. I went to this community in, in Logan, uh, met a Lee uh, church there, and a church that was about to close doors. It was, it was, um, on, it's on a floodplain area, and uh, uh, new leaders came along. They brought in a team of people. He's got Lebanese background, the minister, and, uh, and he's got a grocery background. And so what they began to do is they set up this grocery shop in their, they get they get stuff from all sorts of places, and they actually, I mean, the church was in debt for oh, quite a few million, and uh, and so um, what they did anyway is that they they began this grocery store that offered low cost, highly low cost food to the neighbourhood. They also they've got a bric-a-brac, they've got a clothing store, so they've got these various. Stores. In fact, the whole property is just taken over by these things. During the week, thousands of people come, and what's happened is they actually they're making a profit. They're actually paying off their church's debt, and it's it's going going really fast. You know, <laughs> good good management. But here's a bunch of people, and what's happened is people come in to get food. They sit down and have a cup of coffee, and they come to Jesus and they hear about what's happening, they get part of this great uh, feeling of, of, of helping and of making a difference, and, and then they become part of the team. So it's, it's just an exciting story that I've been studying recently. Um, I want to talk about a missional teacher who's probably not in this room. I pray, I pray with his teaching. Yeah. I pray with him every, almost every week, we, we do, and Depot is one of such of many in our room this morning. Who, who takes his role as not just a teacher doing a job, but actually beyond there, and I, I look around, there's a number in our, our room, who see that their role in the school is for transformation. And it's a tough role. And often, you know, we'll, we'll have some real tough situations that, that Depot will find himself in. But we find that time and time again, God overcomes. And these are young people's lives. These are their futures. These are situations that he has that are impossible for the school. They don't know what to do about these situations. And yet, here we have one man who's a man of faith. And, uh, yeah, the king's table um, is something that actually a bunch of uh, one of the local pastors here saw what we were doing with the living room, and they started this thing called the king's table. 
and uh, and it's just taken off and it's swamping their church now. You know, um, exciting stuff. And they they're providing meals for, for homeless people now. They've got two buses and they pick people up around the city and bring them into a meal. And there's Steve in his night watch. Um, he's he's one of those figures in the. Uh, the bottom uh, left-hand corner, um, going out on the street, we see Jesus transforming our city, and we pray for them, of course. I encourage you to pray for them. People taking initiatives, and that's uh, Lynn's Street Barbecue through with, with Northside and others, uh, doing an amazing work there with Gary, uh, and and encourage you, if you want to go along and serve, talk to Lynn. Uh, Lynn and Bruce, they're, they're there faithfully every week, the food is pretty good. In fact, they get food, I think it was the week before last, Bruce was telling me it was Parliament House. And so they get this food that's just going to be chucked, um, but it's, it's, it's very good. And, uh, and they, through that, one of our friends, Margaret, um, goes in and, and her task is just to talk to them about Jesus. And so many people are finding Jesus. I could talk about stories. This is another Ipswich one, appeared of Peter Lane's. A bunch of Christians who just started... Uh, to get together a um, a festival in uh, in Ipswich, and uh, and it, it became one of the features of Ipswich for years. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so there were just a bunch of Christians that thought Christian, uh, sorry, Ipswich needs a festival, and they put on this amazing festival with everything a festival could have, and it was free, absolutely free. They would they would generate money and provide this to the city of Ipswich free every year for many years. Are they still going, Pete? They've stopped now, but what it was just for, for de- it must be well over a decade they were doing this. Yeah, so it's exciting, isn't it? So here we are this morning, exiles. Exiles, but empowered for mission. And, and I just ask you this morning, and as the band comes, you know, what... What is your mission? You might know your mission. You might know what, what you're called to. But I want to, I want to inspire you this morning. I want God to inspire you this morning, moreover, about firstly seeing where you are planted as God's appointment, wherever you are, in your family, in your life, to see that appointment. And then in that, from that, to see also that God has called you with purpose to be a transformer of your community, of your society. We're not here just to sustain until He comes, but we're here to be empowered, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to take initiatives, to do things beyond our safe zone, to step out of our safe, so-called safe stones. And sometimes that happens without our engineering. As in the case of Daniel, it was, it was do or die for Daniel. And you know, it's also do or die for us too. This is not just an option that we, that we might leave or take. This is a call. It's part of the story. It's part of the package. We are called to take action. We're called to do something with our faith and to be creative in that because we are God's kids. I know, we're God's kids. As we, as we sing this song this, this morning about the new wine, can you make that your prayer? I'm going to make it my prayer that God will extend me. He'll make me a vessel 
you know, the, the picture Jesus gave was of, of a vessel that had become hard, become brittle, was unable to take the new wine, but a, a soft, a, a, a living, as it were, a, a new wineskin is able to contain what God has. And your picture, your picture may be too small. And God, I believe, is exhorting us as his church to embrace his big picture for you, for us, and to be creative, to be a people of initiative, to be the people of strength. In Jesus' name. This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used by permission. For further information about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the Cornerstone website at www.homecommunityworld.com.au.